Good day, my friends, and welcome to another moment, a Black History Moment with Bo. And I feel like today is going to be a great day for you because you're going to stay grounded. You're going to stay focused. You know what your purpose is and you will go after it today and you will excel in accomplishing it. Because discovering who you really are begins with knowing who you do not want to be. And that is a hell of a statement, if you think about it. Discovering who you really are begins with knowing who you do not want to be. Oh yeah, that is definitely the truth. And we are not going to let the ugly and others kill the beauty in us today. So grab that cup of coffee or whatever your choice of drink may be. Adjust your headphones and sit back because we're going to slip into darkness and talk about those Mumford Point Marines. I know you have heard me say before that African Americans have fought in every war that this country has been in. But the history of thousands of brave men who served our country through numerous wars and battles have been virtually unknown to most African Americans for many years. Though we know all about the Tuskegee Airmen and the Buffalo Soldiers, most civilians and even many in the military do not know the struggles and successes of the Mumford Point Marines. In 1942, Camp Mumford Point was established with the first African Americans to serve as Marines since the American Revolution. The history of Mumford Point and the men who trained there is a testament to the price African Americans had to pay in order to gain acceptance into one of the nation's most respected institutions. While the British promised male slaves freedom during the American Revolution, if they promised their support, the United States excluded these men from the battle. Further back in history, rules were set forth limiting who were allowed to fight and defend the United States. In 1792, Congress limited service in the state militia to free, able-bodied, white male citizens. Six years later, the Secretary of War echoed this declaration, saying no Negro, mulatto, or Indian could enlist in the Navy, Army, or Marines. While the Army and Marines retained their bands, the Navy accepted a limited number of black enlistees after 1798 because of the need of men who could endure the harsh conditions of life at sea. Through time, free blacks fought with them in the War of 1812, the Battle of New Orleans, the Indian War, and the Spanish-American War, with the United States colored troops serving in the Civil War in 1862. During the First World War, 
367,000 African Americans served in segregated units, though the Marine Corps remained a white enclave as they refused to enlist the blacks. It was becoming increasingly difficult for African Americans who wished to give their service to their country to do so. Finally, on June the 25th, 1941, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed Executive Order 8802, allowing the continuation of racial segregation, but banning firms receiving government contracts or government agencies from discriminating the employment of workers because of race, creed, color, or national origin. To enforce this order, the Fair Employment Practice Commission was created. Though the Marine Corps was unhappy with this order, they had no choice but to abandon their racial discrimination policies, at least in part. The Corps decided to send blacks to an East Training Center at Paris Island. In 1941, the Marine Corps acquired the Marine Barracks New River in North Carolina. This new base near Jacksonville in Onslow County was eventually called Camp Lejeune. In April 1942, the Corps started construction on its segregated training facility, which was given the name Mumford Point. The facility was located on a small peninsula in the New River, but unlike the rest of the Camp Lejeune, it did not offer the miles of usable beaches for amphibious training exercises. In August, the segregated training facility was opened. This part of the camp was a swampy, wildlife-ridden forest area. The area's animals and insects varied from absurd amounts of mosquitoes and deer flies to bears and snakes. The flat plain was interlaced with breakish creeks along with rapidly growing shrubs and poison ivy. Formidable climates made for harsh tests of physical and mental endurance with the summer temperatures often peaking above 100 degrees and the winter weather occasionally dropping below 10 degrees. The first recruits who arrived began training before construction was even completed. They were assigned tent-like structures before concrete blocks barracks were built. Slowly, other administrative and service buildings were built around the drill field and parade ground, including a chapel, mess hall, and a theater. The Marine Corps chose a career officer from South Carolina, Colonel Samuel Woods, as the first Mumford Point commander. Woods chose an experienced all-white staff of officers, non-commissioned officers, and drill instructors. All were veterans of services in places like the Philippines, the Caribbean, and Nicaragua, so it was reason they had experienced with colored troops. Corps assigned Woods and his staff to quickly identify which black recruits had leadership potential to replace the original white drill instructors. This was accomplished by late 1943, 
with the idea that at no time was a black man to give orders to a white Marine. And although 75% of the 17,000 new recruits from 1942 to 1944 had some college education, none became officers. Though these black recruits were met with racial prejudice and open hostility, they were expected to receive equal training as the others at Paris Island. Boot camp demanded constant activity from learning the Marine Corps discipline to mastering the use of hand-to-hand combat rifles and bayonets. Though kept very busy, the recruits found time for playing cards, conversation, cigarette sports, and occasionally sharing mail from home, which formed a tight bond between them. This close camaraderie was incredible in its formation, helping balance their extreme prejudice, vigorous training, and frequently harsh environments that they faced. The Marine Corps training facility was built at the North Carolina location because of efficiency and cost. Without the thought of the struggles the African Americans would experience in that area of the country. As recruits were coming into Mumford Point to begin serving their country, millions of African Americans were fleeing the region to attempt to escape the strict segregation. As the most impoverished part of the country, the South citizens were heading to other parts of the United States, hoping to find the opportunities of better economics, social freedom, and exercising their rights to vote. In a region that clung to near total disenfranchisement and violence as a means to keep people in subservient positions, African Americans relocated to embrace the opportunities of a nation at war that assured a better life for their families and themselves. Though the presence of black drill instructors and the career aspirations of those at camp helped to temper racial prejudice somewhat within Mumford Point, the situation out in the community was very different. The men of Mumford Point faced extreme racism on all forms while in Onslow County, from having to sit in segregated and less comfortable seating on buses and trains and in theaters, to being required by police to stay out of white areas of surrounding communities or being asked to leave certain establishments. That, my friends, is total whiteness, history, and ugliness. But yet and still, the Mumford Point Marines took part in three major wars and several smaller conflicts while dealing with such discrimination within the Corps and out in the world. During World War II, two-thirds of the African Americans who served in the Marine Corps served overseas. Overseas assignments were not meant to place Mumford Point Marines in combat, as they were seen as not fit to take part. Instead, they were assigned to duty stations outside combat zones in the Pacific. 
two combat units from Mumford Point were created, the 51st and the 52nd Defense Battalions, mainly to draw guard duty on islands that had already been secured. After islands were fully under control of American forces, the 51st Battalion saw duty in Elise and Mariana Islands, while the 52nd Battalion was stationed on the Marshall Islands and Guam. Both the 51st and the 52nd acted as replacements of white units to support invasions. Over time, after proving their mettle, the 51st Battalion became known as the best gunners in the Marine Corps. The Mumford Pointers, who actually saw the most combat of the war's bloodiest beaches from Himojima and Okinawa, were those who had least combat training. The ammunition and depot companies who were meant to see that frontline troops could keep advancing by stocking ammunition and supplies became expert combat fighters and riflemen in the fire of battle. These Marines also acted as stretcher barriers, removing the wounded and dead from the front lines. The nine black Marines killed and 78 wounded in action during World War II were not even supposed to have contact with the Japanese. The performance of these black troops in World War II helped other military personnel see what the men of Mumford Point already knew. They were more than able to perform as equal to those white Marines trained at other locations. The Mumford Point Marines' great performance in the Pacific during the war did not win them recognition or full acceptance. The Corps was required to retain some black Marines, but they reduced their percentages within the ranks and continued segregation. Their post-war force of 100,000 planned to have no more than 2,800 blacks. The number was further reduced to less than 1,500 in 1947, with all graduates segregated in general duty units. A plan was developed in 1947 that one-third of the 1,388 African Americans in the Marine Corps would be serving in the stewards' branch. Mumford Point was kept as a segregated training facilities for black service units, along with the Marine Corps barracks in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Hawaii. Finally, in 1948, President Harry Truman signed Executive Order 9981, which moved to abandon segregation as a federal policy and required desegregation of the entire military. Almost one million African Americans served in World War II, which showed the nation's firsthand the dedication and loyalty of a group being so discriminated against. The nation's public was appalled by the horrors heard of the Holocaust, making them more receptive to end the systemic desegregation happening in their own nation. But the Marine Corps was slow to carry out integration orders. But they deactivated Montford Point as a segregated 
training facility in September of 1949 and started sending black recruits to training at Paris Island and San Diego. The split command had produced over 20,000 new Marines over the years at Mumford Point. The Korean War marked a turning point, and the Marine Corps quickly and fully integrated in June 1950. It is said that the troops were much more concerned with staying alive than concentrating on the color of others in their units. Hush truth. Montford Point Marines were important in all major campaigns of Korea, from serving as frontline troops to being involved with service and supply units. Less than a decade later, these Marines played a great part in helping stop the spread of communism through the Vietnam War. Most Montford Point Marines had left the Corps by this point, including those who had served 20 years, but many fought on the front line with the support units, taking action in some of the most memorable campaigns like the Siege of Quezon and the Tet Offensive. These brave men helped spread liberty and end the political disruption around the globe. My friends, I was there in the siege of Quezon as a Vietnam veteran, and we fought alongside a lot of great Marines. And by the end of these conflicts, the Marine Corps was very changed from what it had been at the start of Montford Point. The Corps ranks were fully integrated, and a large majority of those who served in Vietnam had never experienced segregation. And I was one of them, having came from Akron, Ohio. Historic events like the 1963 March on Washington to fight white supremacy, along with the 1964 Civil Rights Act, helped segregation as a legal system die and encouraged the integration efforts of the military into the future. The men of Mumford Point joined the Marines for a normal variety of reasons some by the reputation of the Marines of being the ultimate fighting force, while others loved the allure of adventure. Still others were interested in the romance of serving and impressing the ladies in their dress blues. Many joined to escape poverty, gain employment, and most of all rise above discrimination. While their reasons for becoming Marines varied, their mission and valor over the years helped end the segregation crippling the nation and ensured liberty and equality for all Americans, regardless of color or creed. There you have it, my friends. The story of the Mumford Point Marines and what they had to go through just to prove themselves as equal. We've always known we had to be a little bit better and try a little bit harder to stand as men in this country. Today, the Mumford Point Marine Museum is located in one of the original buildings on the grounds at Camp Mumford Point, now called Camp Johnson, at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. I thank you, my brothers, for what you went through, and I thank you for holding ground with me in the NAM. 
Well, my friends, that music tells me once again, I've got to let you go. But before I go, I would like to leave you with this message. There comes a point when you have to realize that you'll never be good enough for some people. The question is, is that your problem or theirs? Until next time, it's been my honor.